Terry um, had, he and Nancy had, uh, someone in the church had lent them this little BMW coupe. Uh, com- yeah, convertible coupe. Yeah. Sorry. I, ooh, what color was it, too? Um, <laughs> Yeah, ice blue. Boy, you knew everything about it. So Terry and Nancy go up to the mountains on Friday. Wasn't it Friday? Come up here and tell the story real quick for me. So on Thursday, he and Nancy go up to the mountains, and Terry's driving around this little, uh, little BMW sports car. It was a cute little thing, and stopped, and Chris and I were jet-lagged, had just gotten back, and couldn't hardly keep our eyes open at 6.30, but then you're awake at 2.30 and all of that. And Terry brought barbecue to us to welcome us home. And Terry just has that spirit of encouragement about him. And when you give announcements, and I know you did work on that segue, and it was a slick segue, Terry. And I'm proud of you. Yes. So well done. Good to be back. Um, uh, Let me, I'll I'll give the update real quick. Uh, I think... Chris and I, we can't remember exactly because COVID knocked us out for a couple of years. And then when our twins were in their senior year uh, playing football, we wanted to be around that year. So we didn't go to Israel that year. I know that uh, the first trip was, was 20 years ago. Um, so we think it's 17, 16 or 17 trips. And I don't know exactly how many people, maybe somewhere between 500 and 800 people we've taken to Israel Now, saying all that to say this, every trip is special and every trip has its unique points and things that you you remember about it and you're like, okay, that was really awesome. And I was telling Larry and Nancy, this one was just, it was sweet. That's just the way to say it. It, The group had just a sweetness about it. It was uh, a real fresh trip. Uh, There was a real anointing in different places. Uh, one of my favorite places to go. So it's an advertisement for next year, God willing. Um, they, uh, where they took Jesus in front of Pilate's judgment hall. You have to know, in AD 70, the Romans knocked Jerusalem to the ground, basically. Set it on fire. Uh, that was when the diaspora started. They kicked the Jews out. There's always been a remnant there. But for the most part, they weren't allowed to live there. They certainly weren't allowed to uh, rebuild the temple. Um, you know, the biggest miracle about Israel is not that it became a nation again of 48, but that there were actually Jews around to make a nation again. Because for 2,000 years, more than that actually, 4,000 years, it's the most terrorized people on the planet that you can read about in history and um, modern times and ancient times. And uh, So when you're in Jerusalem, modern Jerusalem is... 30 or 40 feet higher than what Jesus would have walked on. It's been conquered and rebuilt and conquered and rebuilt. And like any ancient city, when you go to it, to go back in history, you have to go down. Does that, does that make sense? What archaeological digs do they go down? So one of the few places where we can say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we know that we know Jesus was there is at this place. We know it was the praetorium where... Um, Pilate was at, and we know the pavement stones are still there. They're in place. It's one of the few places left intact. So you're stepping on these ancient stones that look like it. They're huge blocks. We know that that, if you saw the Passion of the Christ, where he was chained and beaten with the cat of nine tails, that's the praetorium, where the crowd was yelling, crucify, crucify. And Pilate was saying, who should I release to you, Jesus or Barabbas, hoping that they would choose uh, Bara- or Jesus and not Barabbas. And the crowd is, you, you know, Barabbas, Barabbas. And it was there that he washed his hands 
of it. And then Jesus, the cross was handed to him there and then he went his way to Golgotha. So in that place, it, it's one of the last stops that we make, but we have the group there and I read the scriptures and just I preach about that in that place and then give people a chance. Not everybody on that trip is necessarily born again and not everybody's in a right relationship with God when we're there, but what a place to get in right relationship with God, to talk about what Jesus did for us, and then to give the opportunity. There was just such a sweet anointing in there. And someone had pointed out to me, technically speaking, when oil touches something, it basically remains as long as that thing remains in place. And in blood is a byproduct of oil in the body. So Jesus's blood that was shed for us is still in that place right there. And it was a powerful place to be. So I'll share this to say to you, if you ever, ever get the chance to go, I think you should pray about it. Ask the Lord. We'd love to be the ones to take you, but if not us, go. It is a spiritual journey. It's not a vacation. I assure you that we wear people out on that, uh, on that trip. Um, people think I'm teasing when I say that we run where Jesus walked. Trying to see everything in 10 days is next to impossible. But we want people to get their money's worth, so we start at 6.30 or 7 in the morning, and we're not back until 4 or 5 at nighttime. And, Joe, we go all day long, don't we? It's, uh, you push, 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 but, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, Dave, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, what a trip, what a trip. So, um, yeah, it was a wonderful trip, and um, would just invite you to go. Next year, we're shooting for probably around the same time, and I think we're going to move it back a little more towards the winter. Even we talked about maybe... June next year uh, to give people who normally don't get a chance to go in the fall because school starts again, maybe there. But uh, yeah, certainly it was good. All right. While I was there, um, maybe what the Lord was speaking to me was from Psalms 128. And I'm going to read it to you here. It's only six verses. It's very quick. It's what I'm going to preach from tonight. Um, it's got a lot. I'm trying to get back in. Let me just do this real quick. Pastor Jake, thank you for the last... Uh, two weekends. I, I will be quick tonight, but I want to I wanna take a moment and say this. Um, Jake handled two extremely difficult subjects to talk about right now, and especially in the atmosphere of where our culture is today and where people inside the church are today. And so let me say to you very quickly, um, we've received emails on both sides of it. Um, by far more positive than negative. Jake had a family that just told him last week, uh, we feel that you have weaponized Jubilee against gays and trans. What a, I, I don't understand that, but I will, I will say that I felt like the Lord told me this. If you're trying to be lukewarm, you won't offend anybody whatsoever and you'll never get a reaction from anybody. But if you're trying to be biblically truthful and at the same time to be loving while you're doing it. Mercy and truth met together and kissed is what the Bible tells us. And how do you be both of those things? And to say that we are perfect at it, I would never say that. But at least you go to a place that cares enough to try to reach our culture with truth 
and with love at the same time. And if you sit there and you go, well, I, I'm offended by that, or I think you should have been stronger, why don't you just pray for us instead? At least you go to a place that cares enough to do it. We're not just trying to keep people happy or just get bigger and fatter. We're trying to teach truth in a culture that rejects truth out of hand day after day after day after day. Pray for your pastors, man, and pray for your church and believe with us and stand with us. And Jake, I just want to say I was proud of you. Well done. I know it was difficult and you took a whole nother step forward in your ministry and what you did. And so well done. Okay. So Psalms 128. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, Jake, maybe this is like a good message after two weeks, four weeks of, yeah. Okay. So uh, how joyful are those who fear the Lord? So I'm going to say it one more time. How joyful are those who fear the Lord? So another translation will say blessed. Another translation will say happy. The word blessed means to be joyful and happy. So when we say to someone that we're blessed or that we want to be blessed, happy and joyful. Blessed are the people who, who fear the Lord. Now, I think most of us know, but just in case, to fear the Lord is not to tremble and quake. I can't make a mistake in his presence. To fear is to honor to fear is to think about. To fear is to pay attention to. To fear is to be aware that his presence is always with you. Yeah. So that when you make a decision, it's not I'm afraid to make the wrong decision. It's thinking in terms of by making this decision, this is going to turn into a blessed opportunity in my life later on. As I teach my children about Jesus, as I make the decision to go to church, I'm honoring the Lord. So what comes from that? Joy is supposed to come from that. We go to church and we're like, oh my God, not again. That's not Joy. Okay? So joyful are those who fear the Lord. All. How many's all? All. All who follow his ways. Exclamation. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Hmm. Look at how many times the word joy or enjoy is here. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Exclamation point. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine. Now, it's Old Testament pictures, but you get like when a vine is fruitful, what it looks like, and when a vine is not prospering, what it looks like. And if you ever work in a garden and you're trying to see something happen and it won't happen, how frustrating yeah. is that? I, people look at me and don't get, but I, I love to garden. I am, come to my house, flowers everywhere. Dude, I grew all these peppers, Jake and Amy. I grew Carolina Reapers this year. I did not know, but they are the hottest pepper on the Scoville. I'm just talking to them for a moment, so hold on. Um, so a jalapeno is 8,000. A Carolina Reaper is 2.1 million on it. And so Ryan came over the other night, and we cut one, took two little pieces, ate it, and it was like, fire! It is nasty. Just telling you that, you know, when you grow something and it produces, it's a good feeling. And when you work and work and nothing's coming from it. And I know that some of you aren't married. Some of you were married. Some of you don't care if your spouse is fruitful. But I'm telling you, for me, um, when mine is fruitful, then my life is good and it's blessed. And if it's not then I'm not. 
So you will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Look at this. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. This, that is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren and may Israel have peace. What a verse of scripture that is. And so I, the Lord just ministered that to me and um, I, I wrote it while I was in Israel on Tuesday and just thought when I come back, this is what I'm gonna teach. So we're right in between a series. I actually stalled the next one in order to just teach this one right here. So I wanna give you five quick things from this, five blessings uh, from the scripture. The first one is how joyful is the fill in the blank if you want it. How joyful are those who fear the Lord? Verse one tells us that. Um, that, that those who do this, all who do this are joyful. I was thinking, I'm, one of the first scriptures that I memorized as I became uh, older and was trying to practice the memorization of scripture to hide it in my heart, uh, Psalms 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Listen to this. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf never withers, and whatever that person does shall prosper. How would you like that on your life? That whatever you do prospers. Think about that for a moment. And I know, man, sometimes... We're, we're, we're caught up in the nasty now and now of all this going on in life, but we have all these awesome uh, promises in scripture and one of them is the prosperity of God and part of prosperity is being joyful. So I wrote it this way. If he promises us that we are joyful when we fear the Lord, when we honor the Lord, when we live our lives in order to be honoring to the Lord, I, here's the question, who needs more joy in this room? Yeah. Pastor's got both hands up, man. So maybe another way to say, who's against joy? I mean, sometimes we act like we're against it. Like there's something wrong with it. I would say what we need, what I need, what you need, what our church needs, more joy. Joy is not some immature response to a situation, nor is it denying what's going on. Joy is the obvious outcome of a believer in pressure in the world. It's the fruit of God being in your life. If you're not being joyful, I'm not sure how much God... I'm not sure how much you are aware of the Lord moving in your life. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you need more strength? Where are you at with this? Think about this today. Joy is a missing part of many believers' lives. I think years ago, I was teaching a message. Um, there's like a... I heard a speaker talk about foreboding joy. That we live in a day where believers have joy, but it's almost is in the back of their mind, this isn't gonna last long or something's gonna, it's like we live in a day of foreboding. So we're trying to have joy, but there's foreboding with it. Do you know the Bible does not teach joy as though it's some temporary thing or some just emotional thing, but joy is a deep thing, a well within inside of us. This is supposed to spring up and to bring life and to bring health and to bring to us Something that we are just like, yes, that's it. Joy is a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and in the Holy Spirit. The enemy comes to steal joy. 
So let me talk about that for a minute. That's where I want to go with this part of it. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to bring life and not just any life, but abundant life. For 25 years in this pulpit, I have always tried to bring that scripture out over and over and over again. That Jesus's purpose on the earth, according to him, was to knock down the works of the devil and to bring abundant life to his people to restore what was stolen at the fall of man. That is Jesus's purpose. Second Corinthians tells us we've been given the ministry of reconciliation whereby we persuade people be reconciled to God. And it's not our, our idea. It's his idea to bring back what was broken, what was missing. So Jesus said, I came to bring life and not just any life, but abundant life. And then right after that, he said, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If joy is missing from your life, then it's not a failure of Jesus. It's the reality that there's a thief loose. And when joy is missing, instead of thinking something's being stolen from me, man, we live our lives joyless. We do marriage without joy. We do church without joy. We do life without joy. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I wonder how many believers even sitting in here tonight are going through life. No strength, man, and no joy. And you go through the motions. I had a real revelation this last year. And the devil has stolen a lot of joy from, from us. And we spent more time worrying about things and rejoicing in things. Can I just, uh, I'm working on something right now within me. I don't know if I'm ready fully to process this. Um, the joy in surrender. And just absolutely, like I don't know, you work so hard to get to a place and you, then you're holding on so tightly and then it's like you're fighting to hold on instead of rejoicing in what God has done in your life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord at all times. So if he gives it to me, I'm joyful. And if he takes it from me, I'm joyful. And no matter what I have him, the stuff is not the point. He's the point. And when we get to that place where we're so worried, what am I going to do tomorrow? And where's my purpose? And your purpose is to be joyful in the Lord. It really is not that difficult and it's not that deep. There's got to be more to it than that. He wants you to be joyful. He put you on this earth to enjoy your life, to worship him, and discover what he has for you. And we're to be joyful about that. And I'm not saying that there's not difficulties with it, but my goodness, when you finally just realize, I, I, where's my strength? Where's my joy? Where's my, when I get up in the morning, I'm worried. When I go to bed at nighttime, I'm worried. My conversations are reflecting worry. Anybody? Ah, and then I think COVID was like a doubling down effect on the world, but the church in particular, because it seems to me, one of the things that has been lost is that joy, a constant worry about tomorrow. Now, all, all the new, oh, there's going to be another shutdown. Yeah, no is right, but I'm just, dude, I am not going to live my life in constant worry. It's not the way God wants us to be. So you may go, I mean, Pastor, I, is it really that simple? I don't think it's a complicated gospel. Amen. That's 
How joyful are those who fear the Lord? And if you're not joyful, it's not because Jesus doesn't have that for you. It's because the enemy is working away in your life to steal joy. He is a master camouflage expert where the thing that you're looking at, you don't recognize he's behind that thing. You think that thing is the thing. A person, a job, a bank account. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right? We focus on that thing and that if I could just get past that thing, the devil will just keep feeding that thing so you never get past it. Or if you do, there's just a new thing. A child? News? Joyful. Here's the second one. Verse two. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. I... You know, before something's fully processed inside of you, it's a little bit dangerous sharing it because you may share it in the wrong way or it's not fully worked in you. But one of the things that was stolen from me, this is the 25th year. I'm, it's only... <laughs> I don't deserve it, man. And I sure didn't earn it. I always turn to you when I talk about childhood and high school. James? I thought you were talking about me. Well, you, yeah. <laughs> I'll include both of us then in the, in the statement. But James knew me in high school. What a rebel I was. What a loser. Doing my own thing and going my own way. And it's only the grace of the Lord. So people think you got your act together. I, God got my act together. Did that make any sense? I, I, it's the 25th year. A year. It should be such a time to celebrate. To be a pastor any one place for 25 years is so rare now. It's so rare. It's so difficult to achieve. You, there's just a constant, you know, quit and stop. It's not working. Just... It, I just can't explain that to you. And I'm, it's not saying that if you're not a pastor, you don't understand pressure and stress. I, some of you have it far worse than I. But there's a spiritual heaviness when you're a pastor that you just take on. It's just part of the job. It goes with it. Can't escape it. It is what it is. And you're a leader, so you don't stand up and bellyache about it all the time. People didn't come to be depressed. <laughs> oh, it's so bad to serve the Lord. I, <laughs> Can't wait for heaven. <laughs> One day older and closer to death. <laughs> Said Pink Floyd. <laughs> well, I, the, 20, the devil's done a masterful job of stealing just the joy of making it 25 years, pastoring this church. God gave us a dream and we stepped into that and followed him and he's been so good to us. Oh, he's been so good to us. He did not say it wouldn't come without problems. It has certainly come with all of those things, but he's been so, so good to us. And the devil's done a masterful job of stealing the joy out of the 25th year. But thank God, it's only September. So he didn't get all of 2023. He only got some of 2023. So the Lord promises 
that we'll enjoy the fruit of our labor. I just decided (laughs) I'm just going to start worshiping him and thanking him and something. Look, nothing changed problems, but I changed. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. To face the stuff takes strength. To face it in flesh is is a losing battle. And sometimes I just think, so goes the pastor, so goes the church. Maybe some of it's because the pastor hasn't been where he needs to be inside of himself. Don't say amen to that, whoever that was right there. I'm an out-of-towner. Okay, out-of-towner, amen. All right. So, so I, yes, I'm, <laughs> you're an out-of-towner. <laughs> There's joy. Such joy. I think we think of it sometimes just like, you know, it's, it's for the young. It's for strength like a youth. To renew your strength like youth. God, you remember how strong you were in your youth? Mm. Here's the third one. Your spouse will be fruitful and flourishing. So here's what that means. Fruitful and flourishing means growing, producing, doing what they were created and designed to do. You know, an apple tree never wakes up and thinks, how do I be an apple today? Exactly. It's it's stupid, wouldn't it? And yet we all the time, how do I? In you is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reproduces after its kind, the fruit of the Spirit. Love. One more time, guys. Second second answer is joy. Love. The reproduction automatically of the Holy Spirit in your life. How many of you love Jesus? So raise your hand if you love him. Then you have the Holy Spirit. Because you can't love him without the Holy Spirit. You didn't decide to love him one day. The Holy Spirit revealed to you to love the Father one day. You love him, you, so the Holy Spirit is in you. Now, is there ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit in our life? Absolutely. Is it a one-time thing? Don't be fooled. Everyday thing. But you have the Holy Spirit. And the activity of the Holy Spirit, without you thinking about it, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, gentleness, self-control. All of those things. You don't have to wake up and think, how do I have more joy? You just need to let the Holy Spirit... Have you give yourself to him, be aware of him instead of focusing on, focus on. I mean, how many times, you've been here for a long time. How many times have you seen me? You've got to go this way before you can go this way. And most of us get tricked into going this way first and then trying to turn to God. You're backwards. It's impossible. The enemy works overtime to break the fellowship right? So that we're trying to do it with this out here, whatever this is, whatever you're dealing with. And if you can stay connected this way, then you have within you all the things that you don't have to try to figure it. The Holy Spirit will do it for you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Do you know Jesus said that? It's better that I go away so that the teacher can come. He'll teach you. 
makes you much smarter than you really are. Yeah, there you go. So here's what I know. After 39.9 years, I put 40, but the truth is it's 39.9. So after 39.9, if she is fruitful, then I'm ecstatic. That's the truth. And if she's not, then I'm not. And it's the old cliche, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And I know not everybody in the room is married, and I know not everybody has had success in it. So this is not to talk down or to make you feel bad or to do anything else like that. But this word speaks to people in that situation, and most of us are. And so I say to you, that's what the Lord wants, man. He promises that when you honor him, when you fear him, when your thoughts are about, God, how do I please you? What do you want? Not I'm afraid to make a mistake, but God, I want to do it the way you want me to do it. I want the success. I want the prosperity. That's become a bad word in the church too because people are afraid. Hasn't the devil done a masterful job with that too? Oh, that's prosperity teaching. Why are you against prosperity? And I know there's error. That's what people mean by it. People have made a mistake in it. But this says God will give you prosperity. How many of you want prosperity in your life? Double? Yeah. Amen to that. Sister? My child? You know what the Lord told me? <laughs> In our marriage, we are abounding. Think of that word. People use a lot of words to describe their marriage. I asked the Lord, where are we at? You're abounding right now. You're coming into your 40th year. Do you know what she wants to do for the 40th? We're going to go on a round-the-world trip. No, that's not what we're doing for the 40th. Here's what my wife wants to do for the 40th. When she got married, she wore her sister's wedding dress. We didn't have a lot, <laughs> and it was a beautiful dress. It fit, <laughs> but she, she wants her own wedding dress. So she's going to David's bridal. We think that's where she's going. Who knows? She's not going to Milan to get it, but she is... He's going somewhere to get a wedding dress, new, hers, and we're going to, Pastor Terry married us um, 40 years ago, and then did our 25th in Israel, and he's still around, so we're going to let him do. <laughs> going to have him do our 40th. So I asked her, would she marry me again? She said, every day, all the time. I told her, I'm thinking about renewing our vows. So we'll see. <laughs> so here's, here's four. Your children will be vigorous young olive trees around your table. Hmm. Let me ask you this. If you have children, what is it worth to you? for them to be around your table from time to time and to be growing and doing well? What would you pay for that? What's it worth to you, honestly? So you don't have children, maybe you don't get that. 
And I know sometimes when our children struggle, we just think that's never going to happen. So let me tell you something that I found that's really cool. Israel is about the olive, uh, the oil. When we're in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is the oil press, that's where Jesus was being pressed and crushed. Uh, the way they do olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, is the oil that comes out without any squeezing whatsoever. Basically, the weight of the olive on top of each other brings out that oil, and it's pure, and it's really tasty. Then the second level is virgin, and then olive oil, but they don't waste any of it. The Romans used to do this. They would crush it down to the crushing because from the crushing, they could produce a Castile soap that in that day and age, it was the only thing that could get them really clean. And the metaphor of it is, in that place, he was crushed. Not pressed lightly, but crushed because it produced a cleansing. And the only thing that could take away your sin. Think about that for just a moment. So, while there, I was doing this thing on olive trees, and we were talking about it with our girls, and it was really interesting, and... Um, so I, no, I'm just going to use it as a, like it's a person. Uh, the olive tree plays the long game. So there's a word in this for you with your children. Listen to me very quickly. It takes an olive tree 12 years in Israel. Okay, there's different varieties. But in Israel, the Israeli type, it takes 12 years before they bear fruit. They're at their maximum in the 65th year. Some of you are getting close, man. Your best days are not behind you. Yes, Tara. They're not behind you. They're in front of you. Some of you are hoping your children are going to produce and you can't understand why it's not. And the Bible compares them to an olive shoot around your table. And you're thinking this should have happened a long time ago. But according, they don't even begin until they're 12 in this. And then they produce more and more as they get older. So you look at your situation now and you're fully convinced by an enemy that what you see is what you get. And the Bible says we'll reap where we haven't even sown. So what's coming is better. The latter is better than the former. The end of the matter is better than the beginning of the matter. And we get convinced that this is it. It'll never be any better than this. It's never going to change. I'm never going to see fruit. I'm never going to get what I've asked for. All my prayers, they've been... The enemy constantly just give up praying. What? It's not making a difference. Of course that's what he wants. Disconnect us this way and try to get us to live this way. Did you hear what I'm saying? And your joy gets stolen out of it? And you're working so hard? Why won't it happen? And why won't it happen? And why won't it happen? And the Lord promises your job is to enjoy him, love him, serve him, and he'll work on the other things. Mm. Some of ours are going through it right now. I'm not at liberty to talk about those things, but they're going through it right now. Our hearts are breaking right now in some ways, and yet I'm not focused on what's happening right now. I'm focused on what God's promises are and what the future is. And I, everything wants to steal my joy again. You just get going and it's like the devil found another way to distract you to take away your joy again. Well, I get a choice. I get, it to, I get to choose joy. Is that, uh, choose it. Hmm. <laughs> 
So Amy's getting close to 40, but she's got 25 years before the maximum fruit is <laughs> coming. So it means the twins, oh my goodness, they got 35 years before they <laughs> do anything great. So, uh, <laughs> all right, last one, last one. Uh, may you uh, live to enjoy your grandchildren. I've got a, a buddy um, whose who's, uh, oldest child, uh, he, he's, he's our age, and his oldest child, um, they waited longer, and so he just had his first grandchildren. Of course, our oldest is 17, and then, you know, down from there, and we've got 13 of them, and I'm like the worst grand, I mean, like, hey, look at this picture, look at this video, they're the best, uh, you know, just totally have reveled and enjoyed grandchildren. We have a little sign at home that said if we'd have known how fun it was being grandparents, we would have had them first. Yeah. That's, you know, so <laughs> um, it just, just enjoyed that. So they just had their first one. I saw him yesterday um, and he said, everything you said was true. And then my friend Donna Sherlene, um, just three new grandchildren through marriage, and I rejoiced with them in hearing that and congratulated them yesterday to live long enough to see it go from one generation to the next generation. Third generation ministry here now. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. Um, I know some of you are not there yet, Maybe some of you sit here as a small grandchild thinking, eh, what's the big deal? But for those who know, what a blessing is being bestowed on us in this minute. All right. Now, um, I'm going to share something with you that I was like, do I? Do I not? It's, you're going to see it eventually anyway. So Amy, and Kate was on this trip. I was on this trip. We were talking about this scripture. And my girl said, we ought to get an olive tattoo. I said, I've lived 60 years without a tattoo. Why would I get one now? Because we could share this experience. Really, it's because my girls can talk me into anything. <laughs> so if you can't, James, can you, can you see? It's an olive tree. Can you see it right there? Yeah, it's an olive tree. Look how huge my forearm is. It's just a massive... <laughs> Nothing. Um, and so Amy got a little olive shoot, a little olive branch, and Katie got one because Psalms 128 is my promise. Now, someone said to me, you can't go to heaven now because you got a tattoo. I said, I'm not Jewish and we don't live in the Old Testament. And I know some of you are like, I can't believe our pastor did that. I did. Did, did it, yeah. And so you might think, wow, that's just the proof he was. Yeah. <laughs> email, email Amy. Yeah, email Amy about it. It's not, I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form you go get one. I'm not endorsing them. I don't think it makes you holy. It was a moment in time that marked something special between me and my little olive shoots that I'm so proud of and that are producing such good fruit. It's just something for us to hold on to. And I, 
this was personal to me, and yet I thought, as your pastor, for you to be joyful and for our church to be full of the joy of the Lord, my goodness. So I want to always hold on to truth. I want to always be relevant. I want to always be sensitive to how we do that. But guys, when we leave here, we should leave here full of the joy of the Lord. We should be full of the joy of the Lord. The thing that should bring us back next week is not a sense of obligation and obedience, but it should be a sense of the joy that I experience when I'm in the presence of the Lord with other people who enjoy him like I do. And that's what I want for you and the fruit that I want for you. So... I just felt like I was supposed to pray for that and we were debating, do you need keys for that? And I said, well, stand by and be ready. I don't think I need keys for it. I think I just was pray for this. And so, if you'll pray with me. So let me be bold and no one's looking around and no one's just, I want you just to think about the Lord right now. I want you just to think about maybe some of the things I've said and if you're experiencing the joy that I talked about or if you just find yourself day-to-day surviving. I don't mean surviving just trying to figure out where your next meal is coming from, but just like just waiting to go to bed tonight and get up and do it all again tomorrow. The pleasure, the pleasure of being alive. You're not here by accident. You're not here for biological reasons. You're here because the living God picked you out and put you in this day and age to know him and to love him and to enjoy what he's created. Somehow the church has lost that sense of we're alive to be able to enjoy. He created beauty for us to enjoy. He put you in Colorado because you're his favorite. (laughs) But he wants you to enjoy. And so easily the enemy steals that from us. And he cuts us off from just that engagement and that pleasure with the Father. And then we're trying so hard to see love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness. And we're working and we're reading and we're praying. And it's just, it's simple. Those who fear the Lord, those who respect him, those who honor him, those who think about him, those whose ways are connected to him. The outcome of it is the joy. And if the enemy is doing a masterful job in your life, so like you love Jesus, but there's just not a lot of joy right now. And I get circumstances, life is not always fun. But joy and fun are not the same thing. Fun is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. Fun is an experience. 
Joy is the way we live our life. We can be pressed. We can be challenged, tested. We can be abounding and abundant. And all of it should be marked by the joy of the Lord in our lives. I feel like there's just an anointing on me for joy right now. To pray for that, to speak to that, to open eyes to it. So my bold question is, if the enemy is doing a masterful job of stealing joy from you, and you just say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? Would you just lift your hand up? Say it's me? Just don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Just decide you're going to make a choice. So I guess raising your hand is just making a choice. Just, John, just pray for me. Let's hold them up for a second. If you want in on this, raise your hand too. So Father, I just believe the revelation of this is that you, you want a joyful church. You want a joyful people. You want us to experience the joy of the Lord. You want to renew people's strength. And the enemy, Lord, has done such a good job of getting us to try to do it on our own and our own strength. And the people that love you, Father, they're committed to you. And that's a wonderful thing. But being committed in our own strength and allowing the Holy Spirit to do it inside of us, what a world of difference. And so I'll, I just ask in the name of Jesus, that the heavy yoke, the thing that's attached itself to you, that's tied you down, the Bible says the anointing breaks the heavy yoke. So it's not of my power or myself, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I speak over your life right now. I break depression. I break sadness. I break just that that thing that grips you and doesn't allow you to see life as you once did, to believe for God to still do good things with you, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your family, with your future, with your present. The enemy's just somehow deception and got us to focus on the thing that we think we need to be happy. The thing that we think, if I could just get that, then I'll get beyond this. It's just such a lie. You have what you need right now in the Lord. That is the truth. Are other things important? Yes, but nothing comes close to the joy of the Lord. (laughs) So, man, I pronounce it, if you're married, in your marriage. I pronounce it in your family. If you're seeking and you're just like, Lord, we need to solve this problem. We've got this thing against us. God, we, why are we, whatever it is, man, I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. (laughs) Put him first. Seek him today. Let that thing rise up within you. Remember that old song, spring up, oh well, within my soul? Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me 
life abundantly. It's a silly song when I think back now, but the words are very true. A river of life. Jesus said, you drink of the water that I'll give you, from your innermost being will be a river of life, a river of joy that makes the city of God glad. Lord, pronounce that on your people. I know the enemy will work overtime to try to steal this. He'll try to take whatever seed is left. Every one of you, tell the Lord, put this deep in my heart. I hold on to this. I believe this. I say yes to this. I'm not asking you to live in denial. I'm asking you to elevate the joy of the Lord and your relationship with him. That's the preeminent thing. Let him fight battles. Let him step into the distance between where you are and where you need to be. Let him be God over your life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen and amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen.